Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all this morning. God is good. You know that? He's a good God. That's a wonderful vision that we've just watched of what you will be doing over this next while. A wonderful vision of how God wants to redeem those who are going through some mental issues. One in four or something are sent over in the main part of the UK of, of people who suffer with mental issues at the moment. And so it's, it's a way of of redeeming what the enemy has done, what the enemy intended for evil, God's intending for good, and can work that through. And so, although it's going to be expensive, and and of course those costs are down by people getting involved, but really the vision is the, the restored lives that will be affected by what you're committing towards. So keep that in our, our minds, because God is into restoring people. He's always into bringing people closer to himself, and this will be part of that. So it's a wonderful vision of what God's doing. Thank God he's brought Warwick here with such gifts and abilities to be part of what you're doing in this place. So God bless you this morning. It's a privilege to be here and to open God's Word. I want to share this morning from the book of John. If you have your Bible, please turn to John chapter 21. I want to talk about a passage that happened at the Sea of Galilee. Uh, The reason I'm doing that is I've been studying recently the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. There are 11 recorded incidences, some of which you probably don't even think about. For example, do you know that there are five words in the Bible, it's in Corinthians, where it says that Jesus appeared to his brother James after he rose from the dead? It's talked about in the book of Corinthians. That must have been the most incredible meeting that ever happened because James was one of his brothers who came to arrest him while he was preaching and said, the guy's gone mad, take him away. They wanted to bring him away. And somehow in those five words, a post-resurrection of Jesus, in those words with James, he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. It changed his life. And so I want to look at one particular incident that happened by the Sea of Galilee. And by the way, next year, you know, Maureen Jones and, and uh, Ross Jones and, and Philip are going to lead a group in June next year, going to be by the Sea of Galilee. And it's going to be incredible. If you've never been to Israel, then see if you can do it. Let God provide for you to go and you'll have the most incredible time. Philip's life will be changed forever. He might not want to come back. But, well, we'll we'll see next year. But pray about that. Here in John chapter 21, I want to talk this morning really about a guy called Peter who many of you have heard many, many messages on. But the beauty of the story is that God sees us where we are. And so this morning, whatever you're going through, God sees you where you are and doesn't judge where you are. Treats you as an individual and brings you, draws you to himself as an individual. I love that. As I was saying in the first service, you know, when I come here to Emmanuel, as I stand up and have the privilege of standing up here, I see so many odd people, people who look strange, people who are doing an amazing work for God. But you're different. You're not normal. 
Now that's a good thing. That's a compliment for me because normal people change nothing. Normal people conform to the society and the circumstances around them. Odd people don't. And so I would say to you, you're an odd people, an odd church, who God wants to use in a dynamic way to change and rewrite the story of this nation. That's a good thing. And Peter was one of them. And in John chapter 21, let's read a few verses. It's where he goes back to fishing again. And this is up by Galilee. So John chapter 21, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, or Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter... Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. When the morning had come, had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, this John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now this was an important meeting that Jesus had. He, he met on 11 occasions with people after he rose from the dead. Most of them seemed to be random. Most of them, he just walked alongside them and, and he met, you remember on the road to Emmaus, he met a guy called Cleopas and his friend and they didn't even know it was him. But here in Galilee, on three occasions, Jesus said in the book of Matthew, he said, I, I'm going to die and when I rise again, I'll go ahead of you to Galilee. Mary outside the tomb, the angel said to her, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. And then Jesus appeared and said, I'm going ahead of you to Galilee. On three occasions, he planned this meeting in Galilee. So something very important was going to happen in Galilee. Now the first main meeting, of course, is at the end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, where he said, therefore, you know, go and, and make disciples of all nations. Some of the most important words Jesus ever said. But here in this passage, I want to take a little glimpse into the mind of Peter. Peter was an extremist. We know that. Peter jumped in headfirst in everything that he did. When he wanted, Jesus wanted to wash his feet, Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, I have no part of you. Okay, well, wash all of me. That was Peter. Jumped in 100% in everything that he did. And some of you are like that here this morning. You're an all-in sort of person. 
And Peter was like that. And so he, in this, we don't know where it was in the, in the 40 days, but he says to his friends, I'm going fishing. He, was, he had been in Jerusalem. He was back in Galilee. He was brought up in Galilee. His family were there. And so he decided he's going to go fishing. I don't believe he was backslidden. I don't believe he was out of the will of God. He just wanted to go fishing for a night. That's what he did. So he says, I'm going fishing. The disciples said, we'll go with you. Now, can you imagine that night, these guys, these big men sitting there all night, they're catching absolutely nothing, getting more and more fed up as the night goes on. And it tells us about the morning time. Can you imagine the conversation that must have went on? Do you remember, boys, when we were on here in Luke chapter 5? Do you remember one other time? We fished all night. We caught nothing. Do you remember what Jesus did? Jesus said, push out into deeper water and let down your nets for a catch. Do you remember? We caught so much that the nets began to break. They may well have had that conversation because they're a little bit confused. And, and it's understandable why they're confused because you'll see later on when, when they, they recognize Jesus, they recognize him by what he said, not by how he appeared. Sometimes after the resurrection, Jesus didn't look the same. Mary didn't recognize him. She thought he was a gardener. Sometimes when he spoke, he sounded different. Sometimes he didn't use the door. He walked through the wall. That's a bit odd, don't you think? Why not just walk? Oh, I'll just walk through the wall. Everything he did seemed to be a little bit different. So here's Peter. He's going back to fish. And part of his mind is probably thinking, ah, guys, what do you think about Jesus? We gave up three years of our lives to follow him. He looks different. Yeah, he does look different. He even sounds different. Yeah, he does. But he's still carrying the marks. What do you think? Do you think he still wants us to follow him in the same way? What, what do you, what do you, th I think there was some confusion there. And sometimes as Christians today, we can go through times, I suppose I could call it times of doubt. Maybe when we came to Christ, we had a dynamic experience of finding Jesus and it was so alive and so fresh. But years on down the road, maybe we think, ah, well, I'm following him by faith, but actually my walk isn't as dynamic as it was in those days. That's some Sometimes people's testimony. Does that mean we're backslidden? No, it doesn't mean we're backslidden. It means God's working in our lives. And here in this passage, I'm going out to fish, caught nothing. And there's a guy standing on the seashore who shouts out. Of course, it's Jesus. We know it's Jesus, but they did not recognize him. And they, they, he shouts out to them and says, children, calls them kids. Kids, have you got any food? doesn't use the word fish. Just, have you got any food? And they say, well, no, we've caught nothing. He said, throw your nets on the other side. And so they do that. And they catch 153 fish, so big, and yet the nets don't break. But a massive catch of fish. And John immediately says, it's the Lord. But the one who responds then is Peter. Peter jumps into, he didn't even recognize that it was God, that it was Jesus. He jumps in the water, runs as fast as he can through the water and gets to the seashore to where Jesus is. Now, what did that say to Peter? Well, it tells me this, that Peter, Jesus did exactly the same miracle that he did three years previously. 
And he can still do what he did then. It also shows me something very important, that Peter didn't recognize that it was Jesus. He needed help from John. And sometimes we need help from our friends to recognize that God's still working in our lives. Sometimes it's other people who can tell better what God's doing in your life than you can. That's the beauty of the family. It's the beauty of the church. We can help one another. But Jesus still did a miracle of empty nets, turn them into full nets. And he can still do miracles in your life and in my life. So they get up onto the shore and Jesus is there and there's a fire going, just like you had last night there on the beach up at at Portrush. I told the folk earlier on, I need healing of the memories from my time in Portrush. That was when my dad went on the 12th fortnight every year, a caravan in Portrush. Dear Lord, help me. I think back today, the rain, my dad standing at the, I was talking to my sister yesterday in Finland. I've got no memories of nice things happening there. All I have memories of rain and Portrush, and I hated the place. And Barry's, I hated Barry's. But that's, now just pray for me, all right. Uh, that's just, just the way I am. Here's Peter, and Peter suddenly, he, he has a full pile of fish, and God has done something amazing in his life, and he comes on the shore, and there's a guy there barbecuing on the shore. Nobody says, is it you, Jesus? He looks different, but Jesus is there barbecue. And there's something I want to share with you that for me is very important because in, uh, in the Bible, you, we talk about fish a lot and fish and the word for fish in the Bible is the word ichthus. And of course they used it, ichthus, the, the Greek of ichthus, the acronym is the word is fish, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior. And, and in the early church, they used to do it under persecution of Nero and other emperors. They used to draw a fish to say that the Christians were around. Some people put them on their car. They put a sign of the fish. It's a sign of the Christian, because that's what the early Christians d- did. But it's the word ichthus, and that's the normal word for fish. But here, Jesus plays with a different word. It's not the word fish that he uses. The disciples caught ichthus, but there's a word, apsarion, which also means fish. But it's only used in two places. So when they come on to the shore, Jesus is cooking a fish. It's an apsarian, a small fish. It's the same word that's used in John chapter 6. Do you remember the feeding of the 5,000? Do you remember it's the only miracle that's in all four gospel accounts? But in John, it tells us a little bit where, where it came from. John's the only one that tells us that Philip brought a little boy who had a packed lunch with five barley loaves and two small apsarian, two small fishes. And it's a small fish. There's not much to it. And yet God, Jesus did an incredible miracle by feeding 5,000 men besides women and children with five loaves and two fish. And how we know it's a miracle is because afterwards they they, uh, had 12 basketfuls of remnants. So there was more remnants afterwards than there was in the meal that was provided in the beginning. But there were upsarian small fish. And so what's happening here is there's a little interplay in this. You don't read it in the English, but there's an interplay where Jesus is cooking a small fish. And then he says to his disciples, when they come on on there, they saw the coals, they saw the fish. Verse 10, Jesus said, bring some of the fish which you've just caught, the ichthus. And so Simon Peter drags them. There's 153 of them. But then it says that Jesus feeds them. But he doesn't feed them ichthus. He feeds them apsarian. Now, what what that means here is this, if I'm not wrecking the, the text. This is what the text says. Jesus fed them with the one fish that he'd already been cooking. 
And somehow that one fish fed all of them. But we shouldn't be surprised because it happened on at least two occasions earlier. And the disciples knew that Jesus did miracles. So there's no problem if he can feed 12,000 people. It's not a problem for him to feed eight men, eight sweaty, big, hungry, ugly men in the morning who've been fishing all night. If Jesus can feed them, if he can feed 5,000, he can feed eight men on a little fish. But here's what it says to me, is that they brought, he said to, he said to Peter, bring the fish the ichthus, and Peter did bring the fish. But Jesus doesn't use the fish to provide for them. He was already cooking the fish that, he, that they needed for their provision. Sometimes we worry about how God is going to meet our needs. Here's Peter. He's traveled with Jesus for three years. He's given up everything for Jesus, and they didn't understand. Oh, Jesus said he was going to die, but Peter said, no, no, you don't have to die. That's when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Peter didn't know that Jesus was going to die. They didn't understand that. And so when he was put on the cross, their lives were shattered. They did not understand what was going on. Even when three days later he rose from the dead, he explained to them. But still, they didn't quite understand what was happening. He was going to go 40 days later back to heaven. They still didn't understand what was happening. So here's Peter. He's out on the lake all night and he's confused. God, what are you doing in my life? What's going on here? You seem to have distanced yourself a little bit from me. I've asked people this, by the way, if you were there that day, would you have been able to see Jesus? Could you have made an appointment with Jesus? Well, actually, when you read later on in Corinthians, the answer is that's no. Because the Bible says that Jesus appeared to those who God had already decided beforehand. It was already planned who Jesus would meet. So they didn't, they didn't self-choose themselves. God chose themselves. This was a chosen appointment that Jesus had with Peter. And Peter, three years, given up everything for the Lord. But now he's a little bit disappointed because he doesn't know where God is anymore. He doesn't know where Jesus is anymore. He even looks different. He sounds different. I don't even know if things are the same that they used to be. And sometimes in our lives as Christians, there, we go through that period of time where if we're being honest, we go through the motions and we go through the, the rigmarole like of doing the actions that we know we should be doing. Is Jesus close to? Well, yes, he is by faith. Can you feel him this morning? Well, not really, but it's by faith. And there are times when we feel distanced from him. Not because we're backslidden. Not because we've given up our faith. It's just time and circumstances go on. And I don't feel him today in the way I felt in him three years ago. And Peter's going through this. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus always takes the initiative when we go through times of doubt. He takes the There's a lovely verse in Matthew 28 where there's probably 500 plus of them on the mountain when Jesus said, go into. It says that, that they saw him, some believed, but some doubted. And then it says, after they doubted, it says Jesus took a move towards them. When you go through times of doubt, he will take a move towards you. The interesting thing for me is that the whole night that the disciples were on the water catching no fish, Jesus was on the seashore watching them. When you go through your times of difficulty and go on through times of seemingly distance from the Lord, He is still praying for you and He is still watching you. You cannot go anywhere today where God's eyes do not see you. 
You can't wander anywhere where the Lord isn't watching you and actually looking for you actively. He takes a step towards you. And when Peter pulled up his offering, as you'll be pulling up your offering for the work that's going to be done in this place, the truth is for your provision, for the provision of this place, God will use your offering. But to look after you in your life, God does not need your offering. He's already cooking your fish. He's already working on what's needed to look after you. When you gave your life to Jesus, when you surrendered your life to him, he committed, you committed your life to him. He also committed his life and his resources to you. And so what you're doing for him, he's already cooking your fish. And we pull up our offerings, we pull up what we can give, and he will use that to provide for other people and to provide all that's used with links and everything else for other people. But for your provision, Jesus already has your fish. And I find that so exciting. In what I do, I find that so exciting because it shows something to me. It shows me that he is my source. And he is your source. I don't even know if Peter out in the Sea of Galilee would have been able to smell the fish cooking. Maybe he would. I don't know. If there's a wind going, probably not, unless it was going his direction. But for whatever, he is watching his provider on the seashore providing for him. And he's providing for you this morning. He's cooking your fish. Worried about your mortgage? Worried about your children? How could you bring children up in this society today? Worried about our, our home, our job? Listen, he's already cooking your fish. And he can make that fish stretch around as many as he needs to make it stretch to. He's looking after you, caring for you, preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He's looking after you. And then it goes on in the passage, just one little thought after that. They, did, they said, nobody said, is it you, Lord? They knew it was the Lord, even though he looked different. And he provided for them. They had a good breakfast. Then he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Three times he says, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. And Peter uses a slightly different word. He says, I love you tenderly. Jesus said, do you love me tenderly? I love you tenderly. He said, feed my sheep. And so this whole chapter is about an intimacy. We're going to be coming very soon in the last worship time this morning just to come before the elements uh, which remind us. You know, he said, do this until I come. As often as you meet, do this till I come. The, the bread and the wine that we come to and we share, the, we share it together. And what it does, it reminds us of Jesus, of his provision. It says it in the wilderness when they went through the wilderness that their, their shoes did not wear out, their clothes did not wear out. Something miraculous happened during 40 years of the wanderings of the wilderness where Jesus looked after his, his children and everything they had kept and he looked after them. He can still look after you. When we take the, the drink this morning, the juice this morning, that reminds us of his blood, he can still forgive you. But one of the things that Simon Peter did while all this was going on, this intimacy with Jesus, drawing him close, he looked behind him and he saw John and he said, what about him? That's a fatal flaw. What about him? What about him? And this morning in this place, sometimes in church we say that, what about him? Because let's be honest this morning, everybody in this place has it easier than you. 
everybody in this place has it easier than me. Now, that's not the truth, but that's what the enemy will tell me. I've got it tough. I've got to believe for more than my neighbor has. And so the en- and we say, what about him? Jesus says, no, 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 don't, don't you even think about him. I want you to follow me. And so the challenge this morning is one to follow him. This is Jesus, he said, basically his, his revelation to Peter is this, I can still do the same that I did three years ago. You saw a miracle of full nets three years ago. I'm doing the same today. I can still feed you or any number of people, same as I did to 5,000 men three years ago. I can still do the same as I did then. But the same challenge I'm giving to you is this. Will you follow me just like you followed me three years ago? Will you follow me today without looking behind, without looking at somebody else and thinking he has an easier call than I have? Will you still follow me? Because the answer to that determines where we go. The answer to that, of course, has to be yes. Always when I take the bread and it's broken, I always, every time I do it, I I think, God, you were broken for me. Jesus, your body was broken for me. Would I be willing to be broken for you? And until I can say yes, I won't take it. Now, I do say yes. But I recognize that within that, as I take it, I, I can't come from Enniskillen, as you know. I was born in Black Lion, and uh, I spent a lot of my life, was down in Enniskillen yesterday just to go down to the homeland for, for a little while. But I grew up as a very timid, timid boy when I grew up as, as a child for many, many years. And God showed me in my teenage years that, that he had made me unique, not eunuch, unique. And uh, I, I, that, that somehow my life was different. Now, he's done that for you. And there are many of you in this place this morning who you know that you are different. And I, the way I describe that is odd. I, 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 I am odd. I know I'm odd. And I will always be odd. But it's norm, no, most people are normal. Now, normal people, what, they became normal by, by uh, conforming to the norm. That's how people, you want to do it for your kids, of course you do. You want your kids not to pick their nose while they're eating with their spuds. It's just not good that. So you tell them, please, no fingers in your nose while we're eating. That's normal. I've done that with my kids. It's normal because you want them to conform. You don't want them to stand out. But the problem is sometimes in the church, the same happens. We have a norm and people become norm and they get very boring. You are made odd. God has an oddity stamped over your life. And many of you know that. You're odd, and you will always be odd. But odd people change society. Normal people don't. Normal people never change. They change. Odd people rewrite stories. And God has called you to be odd. He's called your church to be odd. And this morning, Peter was odd. But Jesus came along to him in his oddness and said, I can still do what I always did. I will still provide for you. And while you're sweating all night, I'm already cooking your fish. But the only thing I want to ask you is this, is will you follow me? So this morning, as we conclude in worship, same question, as we take the bread and the wine during the worship this morning, will you follow me? Even if he has other people go a different direction, will you follow me? Even if it seems easier for my neighbors, will you follow me? And your answer will be yes, of course I'll follow you. Why? Because you're going to make some incredible changes in this town, in this county and in this nation and in the nations of the world. 
because odd people make changes. Peter did. He changed everything that he touched in all his oddness, but God used him in a tremendous way. Father, I thank you this morning that you've created us odd. I thank you, Lord, that as individuals, many of us are odd this morning. We just don't fit in. I thank you, Lord, that as a church, we don't fit in. Wanting to change the statistics that talk about those with mental issues. Lord, that's not acceptable here. Going to change that, going to rewrite that story. Young people on drugs, it's not acceptable. We're going to rewrite that story. We're not going to become normal. We're going to, in our oddness, change all of society. And so, Father, this morning, as we worship and as we share bread and wine together, the juice together, Lord, as we take that and celebrate you this morning, we answer you in your call. Will you follow me? Yes. We will follow you regardless of how you call anybody else, any other fellowship, any other church, any other group, any other Christian. My response is, I will follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Kingsley. That's sure. Appreciate We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.